every single blessing flowing down from the Father to us through the Son and made possible by the Spirit. That's, that's who you are. You're a recipient of God's fountain of grace. Amen? And uh, one of those blessings is our brother that's here with us to preach the word for us. From time to time, we get the, the uh, awesome opportunity to have uh, guests come and encourage us in the gospel. And so we have an awesome guest here with us today, uh, Brother Ken Keen. He is uh, he's a, a great brother. Uh, I'm hoping to get to know him more and bother him a little bit, you know, get in his schedule. But uh, uh, Ken is a, a director of education for Life Challenge Ministries. Uh, I had the delight of going there, and from time to time, he'll invite some of us to come and uh, deliver the word. And uh, a great group of men and women there. Uh, who uh, this ministry exists to provide hope, healing, and help through Jesus Christ for men and women with, uh, with drug, alcohol, and other life-controlling addictions. And so uh, what a ministry uh, Ken has um, blessed us with in his presence and blessed so many others with. Uh, he's also a deacon of his church in Highland Park. You don't know, I, I, I got your bio, brother. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, happily married to Rachel for 20 years, uh, 31 years, I'm sorry, even more, sorry, that's, that needs to be updated, and, uh, and a grateful father of four, okay, amen, six, oh man, <laughs> I was going to say the, the evidence, in, I'm just going and, to, uh, and I add, a, uh, I add this, um, he's a great friend of uh, brother uh, Pastor Leon, our beloved pastor here, and many others, maybe of you, even here today. And so I, I hope to uh, become a friend of yours as well, Ken, and uh, it's, it's, um, I, it's never taken lightly, uh, and I know you don't take it lightly either, that you come up here and, and open God's word. And so, saints, I just want to invite you to open up your hearts uh, to the, the reading and preaching of God's word, and brother, I want to invite you to come on up and preach the word to us. Give a warm welcome to Ken King. Well, that was a very warm welcome. Thank you all for having me and uh, also my family. My, uh, we've been acknowledged. My three sons are here, Noah, Ezra, and Zion. And uh, Zion is uh, about two weeks away from heading to East Lansing. Don't hold it against us uh, for freshman year. So, uh, so that's three. Uh, my, da my daughter uh, teaches school out in uh, Illinois, in Chicago. So uh, she's the fourth. And uh, but uh, it is boy, I am so, I was so blessed this morning. I was so such a such a blessing in worship and the children. Uh, so uh, just thank you all. Very super refreshing. I want to acknowledge also my good friend Denise, who also goes to our church, and she her mother lives down the street, and you all have blessed her mom before, uh, and I don't remember what happened, but there was there was something you all did for her, and uh, so uh, man, uh, what how awesome it, it is to be here. <laughs> and somebody's recognizing her. It's right. I see. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> 
and uh, my friend Tammy is always so good to see Tammy, and uh, of course Pastor Chris also is uh, my good friend. So uh, I'm looking to be here Friday night. Uh, Pastor Chris, when you when you all were doing evidence, the Pentecostal in me was getting close. As uh, the, my shoes were getting close to coming off, and uh, I might have just walked slowly around the edges. Uh, of the church, you know, sometimes you just got to walk around the church. But um, uh, it is such a delight uh, to be here and to all online. We do have online online audience as well. God bless you online, Mac as well. But uh, thank you. And Pastor Leon is indeed my good friend. And uh, I I thank God for him in, in my life. And so, uh, but uh, so I miss him today. That's all right. That's kind of how it goes, you know. So I come and, and he leaves, but uh, but it is really good to be with Mac Avenue. Well, uh, we're going to be, I know you've been in your evangelism series, what I've understood, and uh, so uh, uh, today I wanted to kind of explore evangelism, a, a, different, uh, a different mode of evangelism, I hope, and we're going to be in Proverbs, the ninth chapter, the ninth chapter of Proverbs. And we're going to deal with evangelism as storytelling. Telling the better story. Proverbs chapter 9. And Pastor Kevin, I changed my math. I think I'm going to read the whole thing. <laughs> so we're going to skip. But Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. And she has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all, excuse me, this is a woman. Let all who are simple uh, come in here. That was a very poor, uh, anyway. Uh, uh, she says to those who lack judgment, Come eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Okay? That's lady wisdom. Little interlude here. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, Lady Wisdom is saying, your days will be many, and your years will be added to you. And if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. And if you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Pause again. Another woman speaks. The woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined. And without knowledge, she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. 
food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there. And her guests are in the depths of the grave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we just thank you for this moment, this opportunity. This is what we were made for. Uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Lord God, we thank you just for uh, this intersection with you, with heaven itself, with your presence. Give us ears to hear, O oh Lord. Grant me a mouth today. Uh, flesh and blood can't do what needs to be done. Either in the hearing or in the speaking. But you are here. You promised. And so thank you for being in our midst, O oh Lord. And may at the end of the day you be the preacher on today and all others be hidden. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, uh, so uh, stories. <laughs> uh, uh, I think Star Wars, anybody Star Wars fans? All right, you raised your hands. Very good. So, uh, man. I think it's been 45 years. The Star Wars franchise. That's impressive. That's a long story. Uh, that's, that's, that's quite a few uh, strands. Now, then the, how about the MCU? MCU. All right, all right. Eastside. Uh, but, uh, yep, 22, I call it, I say they had 22 movies before the MCU died. And uh, and we uh, we just don't realize it yet, but uh, so it's kind of like a corpse right now, quivering in the uh, attempts to remain relevant. But uh, but anyway, I'm a, I was a big MCU fan, the 22 original. So uh, but I think they're up to like 31 now. My, my son is that right? So tell me, all right, yeah, yeah. Stories, narratives, we just we love them. We're storied people. Stories. Um, you watch the news. What are you looking for in your news or your Wall Street Journal or you go online? You're interested in stories about what's happening in the public. Uh, bottom line is we're always connecting to narratives, to drama, to stories. Can't seem to do without it. And uh, the Bible agrees. The Bible agrees. The Bible has a story to tell, a story to tell. And there are many ways to come at it. I mean, it, of course, we got creation. Oh, my goodness. We got, uh, we got deliverance from Egypt, ten plagues. We got, uh, we got David and Goliath. We got kingdoms. We got prophets. We got apostles. We got exile. We have return. We have Jesus. Amen? Stories on top of stories. But I, I, I want to content present to you this morning that the Bible has a great story uh, to tell. A great narrative. The great story. 
But we're going to come at it. You can't just, you know, you, only, you can only come at it from this angle or from that. Uh, like, a, like a gem. Like a great diamond. Anybody ever been to Washington, D.C. and seen that, uh, that big diamond, which I'm forgetting the name of it. It's huge, about that big. And uh, you have to go around it and look at it from different angles. But today, can I tell you, can I, can I join with you in a biblical story? Have you ever heard the one about the two ladies sitting on their porches? Yeah. Excuse me, I want to tell you a quick joke. Um, I, I shouldn't, but I, here, here we go. Um, so uh, I probably told this before, but that was a year ago. Uh, a rabbi and a priest are in a bar. So by, the time, by this time, I'm already laughing. If you start a joke that way, uh, I'm already giggling. However, the rest of the joke goes, okay? So the, the, the priest, the Catholic priest, is chowing down on some bacon, some bacon and eggs. And so he says to his rabbi friend, when are you finally going to get off all your religious scruples and just relax a little bit? I mean, you, you, you got all your food laws. Uh, when are you find? you know you want something. Look at this. Mm, this is awesome, bacon and eggs. When are you going to finally just give in? So the rabbi thought and he said, uh, good question. I know, maybe I'll do it at your wedding. All right, so... <laughs> All right. So, back to our scripture today. So, here's the one about uh, two ladies. Did you hear the one about the two ladies? Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> did you hear the one about the two ladies on their porches? Yep, we do have two ladies. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that in what we read today. Proverbs is kind of broken up into sections. And the first section, Pastor Kevin, is chapters 1 through 9. Chapters 1 through 9, it's a little different. You know, when you hit chapter 10, that's where we start our famous, like, two-line proverbs. But before now, we almost got more like parables. We got several parables, little short stories, little vignettes. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, uh, and it concludes with this one about the two ladies on their porches, in the neighborhood, talking to those passing by. One of them is Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom. What a lady. Uh, by the way, the Bible has a lot to say and often presents to us, <laughs> often presents to us as a part of its narrative the idea of two ways. Two ways. So I lay before you, Deuteronomy 30, I lay before you this day, life or death, choose life so that you may live. That's kind of that famous one. Or how about uh, in the garden itself? God says, no, 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 you can have all those trees except that one or else you'll die. Then a little sneaky little serpent comes in and is like, no, nah, you you're not going to die. That is not the story. And he contends with it. And our first parents, regrettably, picked the wrong way. And we've been kind of bent that way ever since. Uh, Proverbs will say several times 
that there is a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but the end thereof is actually destruction. Psalm chapter 1 says, uh, Blessed is the, the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's like that's a counterway. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he, she meditates day and night. They'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose, you know, fruit bears fruit on time and a leaf is always green and never withers. And everything they do prospers. But the wicked are not so. The other way, the wicked are not so. No, they're, they're more like a chaff. The chaff that's kind of lightweight and insubstantive and is, it blows away in trial and trouble. The wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. For well, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Amen? Two ways. Of course, Jesus summed up the two ways uh, in his New Testament teaching. You know, the way to destruction is broad and easy. Did you catch that first word? It leads to destruction. But the way to eternal life is narrow and it's difficult. But did you catch that first word? It leads to life. Two ways. So here we are. Again, seems to be kind of a, a, a you know, kind of a narrative point in, in, often in Scripture. And here we are with uh, uh, two, two ladies beckoning us, telling us to come their way. They're both uh, appealing to the same audience. They're both uh, trying to compete for the same marketplace. And the, the audience is what, it, what we call the simple. The simple are walking by for whatever reason, and wisdom is beckoning, and so is this other woman, Lady Folly. She is beckoning as well. Everybody with me so far? All right? They both appeal to the simple. Who are the simple? Well, in Hebrew, the simple are basically like the gullible, the naive, often pictured in children. Children aren't, doesn't mean children are, are uh, by the way, uh, the children today, stinking cute. All right. Uh, I wanted to take pictures and make money on YouTube. That had been unethical. So I stood in the way of the righteous. All right, so, uh, but the simple, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. And it's, they're both making appeals to the simple. Please come in here. The appeals are very different, though. But let's back up for a minute before we even. Uh, uh, get more into that why do we have all these you know this is basically a parable there's so many parables in scripture there's so many similes metaphors historical narratives why do we talk that way why does the bible talk that way the, when jesus began to teach in the new testament it said at one point 
that he taught in parables all day long. Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 13, everything he said, he said in a parable. Now, the Greek, anybody, anybody want to know what the Greek word for parable is? He said, you know, I'm not really interested. But let me just tell you anyway. Guess what? It's parabole. No joke. All right, so uh, the word for parable is parabole. But the word can mean, basically the word means to speak figuratively. To speak in symbols, uh, all right? It's to speak kind of like in a story form. What's a story? It's basically symbols, events to which we give some kind of narrative meaning. This happened, and that's why this then happened. And that's why we're here in this place, in this situation. Stories. And so uh, why do we even have, why are stories so much a part of who we are? Well, let's start with this. God is a storied God. He's a God who has storied himself. Uh, creation itself, reality itself, has been made by the creator as a drama. Something's playing out. God is, in a, we're not in a, in a world of sheer happenstance. When we start talking about the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, uh, when God predicts and foretells what will take place, why is he doing that? Because he's trying to let us know that he's working out his plan, his will, and his story. And he's, he's a storied God. Amen? And, uh, you know, really the best way probably to read scripture, too, is to understand it in that context. That's probably... A, a story for another day. But the way we often understand scripture is, like, for example, I love the verse, uh, for you know the plans that I have for you, uh, plans of peace and not of evil to give you, a, you know, an expected end and a, and a hope and a, and a future. You know, totally cool. I mean, it's cool. Look here. God is so good that I think he just lets us get nuggets out of scripture. Ooh, I love that scripture right there. That's a good scripture. That, that really touched me, motivated me. But I'm just telling you, I love that song, Pastor Kevin, though he, call, he calls me deeper still. I think that what God keeps doing to us is calling us deeper still to further understand his story and his narrative. So that's, it's huge to be motivated by a beautiful verse like that. But, you know, what, what happened was he was, he had predicted that he had told the Israelites because of their, um, their continued idolatry that he was going to send them 70 years into captivity. But he reassured them in Jeremiah 29, I will not forget you. Even though I am bringing hard times upon you, and it is me, uh, I still have a hope and a future for you. I will not forget you. I will bring you back so that you have a hope and a future and an expected end after your exile, for example. That makes, makes some sense? It kind of adds to it, and there's more to it than that as it begins to point to Christ and everything else. So 
He's a, God is a storied God, and we're in the midst of it. That leads me to my second point. Uh, we are a storied people. We're a storied people. What's the image we have here in Proverbs 9? You have a bunch of simple people in the midst of uh, one, one woman yelling, you need to come in here. You need to come over here. You need to be fed. Look at you. You're a mess. You're a hot mess. Uh, get in here. You're, you're undernourished. Come on. Look, look. I got a whole program for you. We got beds. We got uh, here. Come on in. We want to help you. You need help. You got the other woman over there saying, you don't need no help. You're good. This is the real, you got just the best, look, look, what are you going to do? Just go in there and let them pamper you? This is reality over here. You better toughen up. And so stories are coming at us, and we're in this marketplace, and we're in this sort of plaza, and we're kind of like, okay, who, which? We're a storied people. I think that's a great way of picturing life and reality. Various, the voice of the voice of God, the voice of Lady Wisdom is coming towards us. But so are other stories and other voices as well. You will not surely die. Really? Is that what he said? Mm. You ever known somebody like that? <laughs> so, uh, really? Is that what they said? <laughs> and you kind of like, what, what, what? Isn't that tempting when somebody starts talking like that and you kind of like, what, 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 what do you mean? What, what, what do you say like that? No, nah, I ain't gonna. I ain't, I'm not even gonna get into it. Some people are masters at this, you know. I'm not even gonna get into it. Turn slightly, you know. Like, well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> it all goes back to Satan, people. All right. So, uh, all right. We, we too, my friends, are a storied people. You know, maybe one reason Jesus came. For example, I was going to take it to Mark chapter 4. But maybe one reason Jesus came talking in parables so much is because he understood it as a powerful connecting point. People gathered. Let me tell you a story about two brothers. Huh. Yeah. The one brother, he, wanted, he couldn't wait to get out of his dad's house. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you a story about a, a guy who was made king, but they didn't want him to be king. That's interesting. Hey, hey, come here. Check this out. What happened? And on and on it goes, whether it's that type of story or whether it's some kind of just, you get it. We're a storied people. And can I put it this way? The Bible seems to say that reality itself is, has a narrative aspect to it. Let me jump to a conclusion here. Another thing about this narrative is it is hopeful, and it ends with God bringing about his divine presence and his great salvation. Now, there's a lot of complexity within that. There's a lot of things to look, look at and debate, and Christians do debate, exactly. But the hope in the final end is all who look to him, we will see him face to face. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And, and the dwelling place of God was finally with men. 
Amen? All right. So uh, he's a storied God, and we are a storied people. Uh, the thing is, though, as I've kind of already alluded to, we do live in a world full of counter stories, as Lady Folly demonstrates. Uh, Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. Why don't you look with me real quick at John chapter 8. John the 8th chapter. The father of lies. And we're going to go to verse 42. Jesus is in the middle of a debate with some of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I've not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Could you get to the point, Jesus? And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. And there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. All right, we'll stop there. <coughs> we must reckon with the fact that uh, from the beginning, that is, I think, from the point of the, perhaps the garden, uh, we have lived in a world of counter stories, of lies. Uh, and it's just part of it. For whatever reason, God has not resolved that yet. And we live in a current situation where we are between the two ladies. We're in the marketplace of life. We're in the food court of life. We're in the, the, uh, we're in the Novi Mall of life. I'm trying to think of several analogies here. All right, so, uh, and you're trying to figure out whether you, which, which food you're going to have, much more serious than that, okay? Uh, and these are not easy choices. Uh, he has been a liar from the beginning. You know what that implies? Success. His lies have been quite successful. They are not true, but they are uh, compelling. Tough to penetrate. Tough to figure through. But God has willed it that uh, he will be with us to figure our way, not alone, not by might nor by power, but by his help and by his spirit. Amen? So, yeah, we are storied people in a world of stories, parables, as it were, figurative meaning. I mean, uh, think about this for a second. Over and over again, another kind of way you can think of reality as a story, over and over again, uh, uh, 
heavenly things are compared to things we live with every day, all the time. I, I quoted Psalm 1 earlier. You know, if you worship the Lord, you're going to end up being a lot like a tree planted by rivers of water. Isaiah 40 says, you know, if you will wait on the Lord, you're going to end up mounting up like a eagle with wings. You will walk you, like a marathon runner, like a, like a walker enduring. You will walk and not grow weary like a marathon runner. You will run and not faint. You will even mount up with wings and fly and soar at times when you wait on the Lord. Amen? That's a kind of a story. But it's comparing to the story that's happening all around us. The heavens declare the glory of God. Something's being told to us, narrated to us, beckoning us. Those stories can be misinterpreted, though. Romans chapter 1 says that the glory of God and the truth of God is coming to us. God is being revealed to us, like in Romans chapter 1. I'm tempted to read it to you, but I won't. But it says that we tend to su suppress the truth of God through our unrighteousness. And it says we often end up taking these good gifts that are coming to us, these tokens of the glory of God, and we commit idolatry with them. We, turn, we, we favor and trade in the creator for the creature. I work in a program for people addicted to substances. What are substances? At the end of the day, most of them are some form of God's creation. Many people will tell me that. It's a plant, Pastor. You know, it's, it's got to be good. You know, you can, it's got to be okay to smoke that. You know, so, uh, so there's, there's, we're, we're negotiating on how to interpret things. All right. So the world is a story. Reality is a story. God is a story. God, and we are a storied people, but we're also dealing with a world of counter-narratives, false dramas to the real one. Let's compare for, for a second here Lady Wisdom to Lady Folly. What does Lady Wisdom say to those passing by? Verse 5, come, eat my food. Well, let's back up. Think about how qualified Lady Wisdom is. Verse 1, she is hewn out. Her house has seven pillars. Now, I was reading one commentator, and it said, we, we know of uh, maybe one palace that has seven pillars, but that's very rare. Seven pillars? Wow, normally two, and you're really good. Uh, you really have a stable house. But seven pillars. So one, a few commentators say that this may be pointing to the seven days of creation, that... Uh, that Lady Wisdom is, in a, in a certain sense, em, embodying or a way of talking about God the Creator. He has made all things in love and in perfection for us. He has been good to us. Lady Wisdom has prepared her house on seven pillars. You can come on in. We got good food here. My mother was from down south, and they took a lot of pride in how they fed you, how they treated you. No, no, go on. And then sometimes they would say comments like this, oh, yeah, he's here, just eating. He's so happy, just eating away. <laughs> so, uh, 
a world of counter stories. But look at what, uh, so her, her house is built on seven pillars. She has meat and wine. I think that points to the idea that this is a place of nourishment, of healing, of sustenance, of health. She has sent out her maids and calls out to the highest point of the city. We'll see this in, in contrast to Lady Folly in a minute here. Lady Folly doesn't invite you. She accosts you. She, uh, you know, she's waiting for your, uh, what do you call those, what do you call that when you're in a, your, uh, <laughs> the thing that stops uh, bugs in your, on your internet, uh, your, your, your software, malware, whatever. Let's, let's say malware. But uh, she's waiting to figure out, she's trying to hack you. Uh, that's Lady Folly. She's trying to accost you. She's trying to figure out how to use the, your, your algorithm of your life. <laughs> She's trying to figure out how to get you to buy junk. No, not, not Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom has good food. She's a pro. She has good health. She says, please come in here. She's the best. And so... Uh, Come on in. You, you, you've been damaged by your simple ways. Leave them and walk in the way of understanding. Skip over to verse 13, however. But the woman folly is loud, undisciplined, and really without knowledge at the end of the day. Very loud, very persuasive, but not substantive. She sits at the door of her house, and she calls out, look at verse 10, look at her message. Let all who come in here, she says, verse 17, stolen water is the sweetest, and food eaten in secret is the most delicious. Now look here. Uh, most, most scholars feel that the use of water and bread, it, you know, it, 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 it may be compared to Lady Folly's meat and wine. So there may be, this is, this is kind of like uh, poor quality over here. But also, notice her appeal. She, God doesn't deny us bread, nor does he deny us water. Her appeal is not just have some good bread. Her appeal is bread is best when it's stolen. It's a philosophy of life. Uh, uh, water, I got it backwards. Water is best when it's stolen. Bread is best eaten in secret. So uh, if, I won't take us there, but if we were to go back to chapter 1, Proverbs starts off, My son, don't join in with thieves and criminals. Easy money. So there's the temptation in life of easy money, quick gratification, cutting corners. That's a temptation. Then there's another uh, bread eaten in secret where you get to Proverbs chapter 5. It speaks of something very similar. No, excuse me, water. It gets to Proverbs chapter 5. It, it talks about water as a form of adultery. Let me show you that one. Look at Proverbs, the fifth chapter, very briefly.
Verse 15. Proverbs 5, 15 says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets and your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone. Never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Okay, we finally know what he's talking about. He's talking about the sexual union in marriage. The stream is pure in marriage, but if it's let out to several people, it becomes muddy and murky. By the way, God forgives all of us. I would contend that Proverbs says, I already know to every one of you, every one of us, that we have eaten the bread in secret before and we have drinking our we've already stolen some water it's kind of a presumption in proverbs for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god so there's no shame in this game all of us need to be brought back to lady wisdom amen and so uh but that leads kind of to uh let me say this point and then i'll say the last point but so the an important part of the scripture narrative is this. God hasn't kept good gifts from us. He has given us every good and perfect gift. It is a false, it is a false narrative that coming to God robs us or steals from us or takes away all of our fun. 1 Timothy 6 verse 18 says, He has given us every good gift to enjoy. I don't know if you remember in the garden, but before God said you should not have of this tree, which is good to not have that tree, that was a good thing. But he said, but I have about 10,000 other types of trees I want you to have at it. I'm talking about get you some apples and make me some apple pie. I'm talking about go over there, carve you out some cedar and make a real nice paneled home. Have at it. Enjoy it. As a matter of fact, I'm demanding that you be creative with the rest of the garden. But Satan turned that around, and all our first parents could hear God when he said, Satan made it so that our first parents heard God like Charlie Brown's teacher. That's a, that's a dated reference. But uh, anytime Charlie Brown was in class and his teacher would talk, she would go, uh-huh, <laughs> See, only certain ages are laughing right now. So God said, you, 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 can't have, you can have every other, you can't have that tree. You can have every other tree. Ever since then, we've been kind of like that. The world is full of good gifts. The whole earth is full of his glory, but we just can't see it that way. We see it as a prison, as a trap, as meager, as a false narrative. And the more we come to know Christ, the more we come to know life. The more we come to God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the more the world kind of opens up to you, the more the garden is back a little bit. When he that finds a wife finds a good thing. 
and obtains favor from the Lord, etc., etc. Your barns will be, when you trust in the Lord, he will make your path straight. The reason, one reason why you felt so constrained is because your paths are all knotted up. But he will make your path straight. And before you know it, your barns will be filled with new wine. That's a mixed metaphor that I, I miss quoting scripture. But it's something like that. Your barns filled with grapes, your vats with new wine. It's Proverbs chapter 3. Let me conclude with this. Oh, oh, let me, so, but, uh, so drinking water seems to be in Proverbs, at least in Proverbs 1 through 9, an analogy for the gift of sexuality. Eating bread seems to be uh, sort of an analogy for money and income. These are good things, real gifts from God, but they can be taken illicitly. Like, who wants to see a movie or read a novel about somebody working hard nine to five on their job. No, you want to see a movie about the mafia. You know, we love the illicit. Nobody wants to see a novel. Nobody wants to read a novel about a married couple living out their life quietly and, uh, you know, hidden breakfast on Saturday mornings. No, you want to read and see a novel or a story that's rated R and is about a guy cheating on his wife, uh, you know, in Vegas. All right, so I'm not saying you want to see that, but you do. There's a part of us that uh, there's an illicit, it's called a sinful nature. And Lady Folly is chirping. And I'm like, mm, I got to watch that episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, just, we all did contend with it. You know, Lady Wisdom is clearly superior to Lady Folly. But Lady Folly has this tendency to bespell us, to intoxicate us. But we'll listen to Lady Wisdom again if we can just wake back up. By the way, this is what Christ does for us. I'll conclude with this. A couple last texts. And so we are able to to come back to the truth, to the true story, to the true God, only through Christ we cannot overcome the lie of sin. Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 17, that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So none of us have on our own the strength to overcome the lie. None of us have on our own the smarts or the wisdom to make it back to the truth. So what did God do? He sent the truth down to us. The truth came in flesh and blood. The real story showed up to tell us himself. Look for a second with me at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews, the first chapter. By the way, worst joke ever. Anybody know why making coffee is a man's job? Because he brews. All right. That one, that could have been saved. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Listen to this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. 
at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. I would love to continue reading more verses, but just hear that. The conclusion, the great coming of the storyteller and the story fulfiller, the one who is really the story himself has finally come. He himself has come. The prophets forespoke, but now the son has spoken. Look at chapter 2 of Hebrews very quickly. <coughs> and we must pay, verse 1, more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift. This is, so even after becoming a believer, the siren of the old story of the false narrative is still powerful. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so we, that we do not drift. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Now listen to this. This salvation, which was announced by the Lord, was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Christ has spoken to us. Amen? He is the word. He is the Logos himself. He has come to us. And let me just say, he hasn't just spoken in words. He has spoken in blood. He has spoken in death and burial and resurrection. He has spoken in ascension and in spirit baptism. He has spoken in scripturated, but he has spoken. And he has kept himself here, his spirit here, his word here, his sacraments here. That we might be able to cleave through the darkness and through the noise and through Lady Folly's voice, through Satan's lies. And he has made it so that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father, for this gospel story, the only one that saves Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thank you, O oh Lord, also that you have made it that we, uh, though we are in a difficult place between the two voices, yet you have come to us. In a sense, Lady Folly has come and Lady Wisdom has come in flesh and dwelt among us. And for this, we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. And may we speak this story to others around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.